Hey, business building warrior, it's your buddy, Jim. Welcome to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Today, I'm introducing the expert who's going to present the rest of this episode today. This content that I'm going to share with you momentarily wasn't originally created with the intent of being used on our podcast, but we decided to use it that way because we thought it was a very transparent peek into one of the most popular business models that we teach around here, especially for new sellers, because it was information that was presented in our private Facebook group just for people following that model. Now, I'm going to tell you what that model is in just a moment and tell you why I think this is an episode that you're really going to enjoy as well. If you don't know what replans are, I need to tell you that first, however. So if you know what a replan is, well, you can skip forward about 60 seconds, but I'm going to explain what a replan is for those who don't know briefly, and then I'll tell you about this episode and why it's going to be so valuable. A replan is any product that you can sell on Amazon over and over again at a consistent pace that you can buy for full price, either online or in a retail store near you, meaning it's easily replenished. You know you're going to need between 6 and 10 every month of this item. If you can go out and find 15 or 20 or 200 or 1,000, as many of our students have found, of these products and just turn them into a shopping list for shoppers who go out and find the products for you as you need them, well, you've got a beautiful business model. And in our opinion around here, it is the best place to start if you are wanting to make money using Amazon, not with private label, not even with wholesale. Those are strategies that we train We train heavily on, we're really good at teaching that stuff, but that's not where you should start if you're new because there's risks involved. There's a long learning curve involved with some of those things. With replans, however, we can get you up to speed very fast, putting money in the bank before you've made any big investments. And that's why we love that model. Okay, so today's episode was created because we asked the hundreds of members of our private replan course Facebook group what they wanted us to talk about what topics were of most interest to them. We said, hey, ask us the hard questions, the stuff that no one ever talks about, if there's anything that you'd like to hit. And the four most popular questions that came up are the topic of today's episode. And I thought Jimmy did such a great job. Jimmy Smith, he's our Replens course creator. He did such a great job of answering these questions that we decided just to use it as a podcast episode, which is what you're going to hear here in just a moment. But there's a couple things I got to share with you before I turn the microphone over to Jimmy. And one of those is, hey, this is going to be much better as a YouTube video than as an audio only. So if you're listening today, just know if you're in listen-only mode right now, maybe you've got your earbuds in, There's some visuals that go along with today's episode that might help you out a little bit, but you certainly can enjoy it as an audio only. But this is one of those times where you might want to look for the YouTube link underneath the audio and go watch it as well. For those of you watching on YouTube and for everyone listening as well, we'll have all the links and resources mentioned by Jimmy today right underneath the video. There's quite a few of them. One of them is something I want to talk about briefly before we jump into the content, and that is... IP complaints on Amazon. That's one of those tough topics. No one ever talks about it, Jim. Well, yeah, we do talk about it. And we've got some great resources to help you avoid intellectual property complaints, IP complaints. Back in episode number 263, we covered this topic in depth with Greg Purdy. He's got a great tool that he gave us a huge discount on. It's the best price you'll find anywhere that can help you prevent getting IP trouble in your Amazon account. 
if you go to silentgym.com slash IP, as in intellectual property, you'll see that offer. You can see that video even with Greg and I, or you can go back and listen to episode number 263. That's just one example of the kind of stuff we're going to cover today. Some of those harder topics, some of those challenges. Here's the four questions. I've got them on my phone, not being rude. I'm just reading them off my screen here. Why should I keep selling on Amazon? Convince me that this is the right business opportunity for right now. And Jimmy makes a very compelling case for that. You've heard me say it before, so I won't repeat myself. Listen to how Jimmy phrases the opportunity. The next question is the IP alerts that you get in your Amazon account, the the challenges there with intellectual, how to completely avoid that problem altogether. We talk about that. What are the negative sides of running an Amazon business was the next question. What are the cons? What are the hurdles? What are the big challenges? If I get serious about this, if I build a, a serious business, what are those unanticipated challenges that are going to come at me? I thought that was a great question. Jimmy handles it extremely well. And what are some of those daily actions that I should be taking in order to maintain a good, healthy Amazon account using the replans strategies? That's a great segment as well. And again, I thought Jimmy did a really good job of hitting these questions. I learned several things listening to this content because remember, I'm just a student around here, just like everyone else. We're all smarter together than any one of us separated. So we share ideas constantly in our Facebook group and we sharpen each other. Now, like I said, this content was presented privately in our paid Facebook group that's only for the people who have purchased the replens course. There's two ways to get your hands on the replens course. I list them both near this video or audio, depending on if you're listening or watching, in the show notes for today's episode, which can always be found at silentgym.com slash podcast, or if you're on YouTube, the links are right below the video. But you can either purchase the full proven Amazon course, which is on sale, and one of the many modules is the replens module. Numerous modules inside, but that's where we start most sellers at once you know the basics. It's the easiest model to ramp up without spending barely any capital at all. You're making money before you spend money. That's why we like it so much. And then the other way to get it is to buy just the replens course by itself at provenamazoncourse.com slash replens. And both those courses are marked down ridiculously inexpensively. We wanted to help people out during the virus crisis, and we indeed have helped a lot of people, as you can see in our free Facebook group, which there's a link to, silentgym.com our large free 61,000 member Facebook group, there's over 600 posted testimonials since we started tracking them. And you can scroll through them by using the topic tag success stories when you jump into our free Facebook group. Just scroll through and see all the people. The vast majority of those success stories lately have been with new sellers using replens strategies. We're good at teaching this. It works. Anyone around the world can do it. And I can't wait to dive into this content with you. I think that's all my notes before we jump over there. Yes, it is. So let's jump over, turn the microphone and the screen over to Jimmy. And I'll be back with you after he's done with his presentation for a couple more short announcements. Talk to you then. All right, so the first one, why should I keep selling on Amazon? Now, these these statistics, while I know that the question is probably centering more around you know, specific issues with their account or specific issues with that they're having selling on Amazon. But I at least wanted to address the general question of why Amazon is such a great opportunity. First and foremost, you want to figure out where the eyeballs are. Whenever you're selling anything, even retail, you want to know what 
catches people's eye? Uh, what are they most interested in? What are the things that people are looking for? Amazon is the place that people come to to figure that out. Now, they might go purchase it on another platform, um, but typically, 9 out of 10 consumers will price check a product on Amazon. And I would even say they're not even price checking a product, that they're just checking products out on Amazon just in case. So the reason I say that is because so many people, as you know, with our business model, are buying products at a higher price on Amazon than they can get them on other platforms. But still, 9 out of 10 consumers will check a product on Amazon before they buy it someplace else if it's on there. Now, the next thing is uh, there's 112 million Amazon Prime members. And that continues to grow. Amazon continues to add more and more features to it, like you know the Amazon video and music and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and so 112 million people that can access Amazon and also get Prime shipping, which is why I put FBA Prime in parentheses, because people that are Amazon Prime members, if you're sending stuff FBA, you've got 112 million people that are paying money so that they can get two-day shipping from ordering any of their products. That's a pretty remarkable number, in my opinion, and why FBA to me is still the, the best way to start and to go with Amazon because there's 112 million people that are paying additional money so that they don't have to pay for shipping and they can get their products quicker. The next one, there's over 12 million products sold on Amazon. That's listings on Amazon. There's 12 million or over 12 million products on the platform. And that has continued to grow, grow year after year. So while people might think that, oh no, um, products can get saturated or you know, there's, there's more replant sellers, there's more arbitrage sellers, we are literally on, still on the forefront of Amazon and this opportunity of selling online. The products will continue to grow, bundles and multi-packs and all kinds of stuff that us replant sellers uh, sell will continue to grow on the platform and so again, I, I expect one day to that, for that number to be 50 million products sold on Amazon and a lot of that coming from third-party sellers. The next one, FBA gives sellers a 30 to 50% increase in sales and that's per bigcommerce.com. So that's huge, right? So uh, there, I've seen a lot of chatter because of some of the uh, slow check-in times with Amazon recently due to COVID that they're going to switch to all FBM or they're just going to do that for now. I think that's a mistake. While I do think utilizing FBM fulfilled by merchant is good, I still think people need to focus on their FBA products and sending things into Amazon. Whether it's, hey, once a week, I'm going to do a, a shipment to Amazon. The rest of the week, I'm doing FBM. Or it's, I'm going to commit fully to FBA like Brittany and I do in our business. I think that at least having a presence FBA is smarter than switching to FBM. I would not panic. And I think also that, that Amazon, with the Christmas season, they will prefer FBA sellers because it's going to be in there in Amazon's you know, warehouses. They can ship it all. Um, they make more money from FBA sellers than they do from FBM sellers. So that is a huge piece, in my opinion. Just keep consistent with it and don't give up on FBA. The next one, over 50% of sales are from third-party sellers, which you know I've heard this for a long time. Uh, I believe in like 2013 or something, it was 40% or something. You know, but still, it's a lot of money uh, and a lot of sales that come from third-party sellers. Amazon's not giving up on third-party sellers. They're not trying to run arbitrage sellers away. We make up a huge majority of those 12 million products that are sold, as well as a, a large majority of the 50% uh, of sales 
because we're the ones providing random products on Amazon. Other people build listings and putting them on Amazon to sell. That's how they've been able to grow to be the everything store that they always wanted to be because of us third-party sellers. So don't give up on this platform. The next thing is COVID has also shown that Amazon will continue to propel bigger and better. They've hired hundreds of thousands of people, I believe. Uh, If not, it's tens of thousands of people uh, through this pandemic. Their sales have shot up. I thought the statistic I had heard was that it went up 40% over the prior year for certain months. Amazon is still the place that people go to. Yes, other platforms are growing, but that's just by association, in my opinion. Um, you know, Obviously, people are buying more online, so they're going to check out Walmart now. They might check out eBay or they might check out whatever other platforms there are out there. But Amazon continues to dominate the space for a reason. Because there's 112 million Amazon Prime members, because people trust the platform, there's no reason to get off of Amazon, especially right now. I still believe the beginning stages of what e-commerce will become. There's no reason to get off the platform. Now, the next thing, you can see their annual revenue every year has gone up a ton. Um, so it's, in, it's fascinating that it, last year, 2019, they did 280... Is that billion dollars? Yeah, billion dollars in revenue, which is insane. And 2020 will be much higher because of COVID. The fact that uh, online sellers at least from what I can tell, have done way better through this pandemic than people that have regular jobs and have got furloughed or laid off or whatever it might have been, which is a shame. But the fact that this opportunity exists on Amazon is not anything that we should be turning our noses up at because they implement a new policy that might be a little bit more difficult or might cause us to lose a couple hundred bucks um, because we have to get rid of some inventory. Not a big deal in the grand scheme of the amount of money you can make and the amount of opportunity there is on Amazon. So do not give up on it. Lastly, do you like making money and the ease of use? Uh, That's really what it comes down to uh, for me. I won't give up on Amazon on the platform because I like to make money. Amazon's got the eyeballs. They've got the customers. They've got the consistent um, history to show that their sales will continue to grow and that they're putting resources behind the FBA program. They're building warehouses, hiring hundreds of thousands of people. They've got the logistics to keep up with all of this. Literally, it comes down to you like making money and the ease of use. I don't have to deal with shipping products directly to customers. I don't have to deal with angry customers because the post office you know, lost the package if I use FBA. Amazon handles 99% of all of the customer service and all of the headache. Yes, they provide some extra headaches. Yes, they take more fees than other platforms. But all in all, I will always defend Amazon unless something major changes. The next thing is there's over 600 success stories just in the My Silent Team Facebook page. And now that's, that's a huge amount of, of success stories. There's also over 200 from the Replens group. People doing Replens and arbitrage have a huge amount of success stories using Amazon and that platform. Uh, don't give up on this platform just because you have a bad day or a bad week or even a bad month. Amazon does hold a lot of weight but so will all the other third-party platforms. There are are other platforms that will kick you off of there if they feel like you're a bad actor. Amazon, unfortunately, makes mistakes in in those determinations sometimes, which is why 99% of the time, you'll get your account back if the worst of the worst happens. 
which is getting suspended. But that's why we have all the tools and resources in this group and Amazon Legends and my silent team to help make sure that that doesn't happen, to help you use performance notification templates and keep on top of those issues that can come up with Amazon so that you can be viewed as a great seller in Amazon's eyes. The next thing, things change, but so do we as sellers. So obviously, Amazon's changed. I mean, I've been selling on here since 2015 with Brittany. Things have changed for arbitrage sellers through that time. Things have gotten a little bit more difficult in some regards, but also easier because there's more products for us to sell. But with those little changes that comes up, we, I mean, we're business owners, we're entrepreneurs, we have to change with it. It's like if some regulation got enacted in a county and you're, you're a retail store that has to follow that legislation, there's nothing we can do. This is Amazon's platform for a reason. So as little uh, changes happen, we need to adapt with that change. I would also say that us as arbitrage sellers have had far less changes than private label sellers have had to deal with and bundles have had to deal with. And that's not knocking it because they've got their own perks for doing private label and bundles. But they've had more changes in terms of how listings are created, how um, you know UPCs, GTIN exemptions, specific ways that you can use popular phrases. The things that we don't have to worry about as much, there've been more changes with the other types of selling on Amazon. You can't drop ship on Amazon. <laughs> like All of those, these things that probably were more allowed and applicable in 2011 have gone away or changed for those other business business types for selling on Amazon, where us as arbitrage sellers, it's been very minuscule in the five years that we've been doing this. It's still the same thing. You go find products on shelves that are selling for more on Amazon, you package them the way Amazon wants and you send it to where they ask you to send it. And then you just, you know, if you bought right, you watch the sales come in. If you didn't buy right, then you have to make some adjustments. But that's with any platform and that's with any uh, type of, of selling on Amazon. Now, I do want to say that for those of you that are have been selling on Amazon for a while, you don't want to only rely on Amazon. You want Amazon to be a, another tool in your tool belt. You want it, in my opinion, I think that it will most likely continue to be the biggest one, the best one that you should use most often because of the eyeballs, because of the sales, uh, because of the traction that comes with it and the ease of use. But don't rely only on Amazon. So start looking at other platforms while you're building your business. I would suggest that once you're over 15, 20 grand a month personally, because I'd rather you get Amazon down to a T, get your systems going, and then start looking at other things. But do not give up. And I wrote this specifically. Do not give up on the biggest, best, most seller-friendly and user-friendly platform. Some people might laugh at me for saying seller-friendly, uh, because I know that you know, like eBay rarely suspends people, but they've done it. I know that uh, with eBay as well, that you might have less fees and you might have less issues to deal with where they're not going to send you a performance alert. But from a seller-friendly standpoint, the ease of use, I don't have to take pictures. I don't have to add bullet points. I don't have to keep track of my inventory personally. I don't have to worry about customer inquiries or, or post office mistakes if I'm utilizing the FBA program. Do not give up on selling on Amazon. I know that there are a couple of questions that ask that. These are the positive reasons that I could think of whenever, you know, just off the top of my head for a lot of it. I did look at some statistics for that first slide, but the platform of Amazon, where we're at, this is literally the best opportunity ever 
to make money quickly and online for anyone. So don't give up on this platform. Amazon is going to continue to invest millions and potentially billions of dollars into their infrastructure, into resources for sellers, into making sure that this is a fair platform to their sellers because they've made changes recently that I believe have helped us as sellers, especially arbitrage sellers. So looking at everything that's going on with Amazon, the direction and future of e-commerce, do not give up on this platform. Keep pushing forward. If you're a little discouraged, just remember these things. So many people have had success with this and it will continue to grow from there. All right, next topic. Avoiding IP issues when sourcing. Now, this is more of an art than a science. And you know, I say that just because it requires a little bit of experience. It requires you know, getting out there and buying stuff and trying to sell it. Um, so it, there's no way that I can say, you have to do this one thing and it's going to all be great. You'll never get an IP problem. It does take learning, making some mistakes, unfortunately, but just make sure to follow these below tips as a general guideline. We in our business still get performance notifications and intellectual property alerts and trademark issues, but it's very few and far between because we follow these these recommendations. Now, if you're using online arbitrage or you're doing online arbitrage, use a program like IP Alert or I believe ASIN Zen, something like that, also has something where they have their own user-generated type lists, a database that they've seen people say that they got a performance issue from this specific brand. We personally don't use it in our business, but it can help for those of you that, are, that want that extra reliability. In addition to that, if you're doing OA, use the following, which apply to both arbitrage or retail arbitrage and online arbitrage. First and foremost, look at the Keepa training unit. So again, Ryan Rieger graciously um, reorganized or organized this whole entire group. And so if you go into the unit section, you can go down to the Keepa unit. You can see all the videos I've done on Keepa as well as the PDF document, the 17-page document training you on Keepa. And I specifically address Keepa charts to avoid because it looks like it could be a private label brand or somebody that polices their brand. A couple of quick points is it's always been one or two sellers, like for over a year, or it's a new product and only had one seller and just been crushing it. And it looks like the other things that I mentioned here below. The other thing too, is if you have a bunch of sellers and then all of a sudden it drops down to one <laughs> um, and stays at one, avoid that one like the plague, because most likely... There were 15 or 20 sellers on it. The brand decided to come on or get some, some exclusive wholesale arrangement. And they said, all right, file all these claims. And everybody got a claim, got kicked off the listing. And then they kept their, their listing at that one seller for as long as possible. So those are the two main things you want to look for. One long-term seller that's always been on it, or you got a bunch of people on it and then all of a sudden it dropped off. And I'm not talking like three or four people were on it and then they sold out. I'm talking like 15 or 10, and it's just a hard drop down to one. Um, those are the things you want to look at. So look at the Keepa training unit. Look at the four videos, I believe, that I've done on Keepa because some things have changed over the year, but that will help tremendously in avoiding issues for IP alerts or IP issues. Now, avoid brands that look like a private label product. And this is more like, this is why I said it's more of an art than a science. It kind of has to pass a sniff test in my opinion, because if you're looking for privately or you're looking at, on store shelves, you can usually see something that has 
really fancy packaging that's up to date and kind of catches your eye. They typically will promote their social media heavily on their product. So on the back, it'll say, follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, et cetera, at these places. The next thing they're going to look at, or look at is they clearly care about their appearance. And that's generally why I put those first two things. They want to look cool, hip, trendy, whatever it is. It's going to be eye-catching because on an Amazon listing, you're going to see products that just have a white background. And so it has to be a catching uh, to the eye product. And then lastly, it's not a regional product, but it's also not a large brand. That's usually like if you're looking at something... You can usually tell this looks like a big brand, but I've never heard of it. And it's not made in my town or near my town. So to me, that would be something I'd be a little bit more cautious of. Now, again, you would want to look at Keepa and see what Keepa looks like. And so if there's a bunch of sellers selling it, then I'd have no problem sending that in. So don't just run away because it looks like a fancy product. But if it's something that you look at Keepa then and there's two sellers on it and has been two sellers for a long time, and put it back on the shelf and avoid it. The next thing to avoid, we typically avoid electronics. That does not necessarily mean DVDs and that kind of stuff, but most sellers can't sell that. But we typically avoid electronics because most people that care about their brands on Amazon will have a transparency code, which is is okay. But uh, we avoid electronics just because there's so many different issues that can come up with that, at least in our experience. So if there's anybody out there that sells millions of dollars of electronics from arbitrage, then go for it. Um, it's something I never ventured into because of this issue. And then the next thing is avoid huge brand names if you're worried, right? So Under Armour, Calvin Klein, um, the Nikes of the world, etc. We've sold Nikes, we've sold, you know, not Under Armour, but we've sold Nikes and other big brands. Um, but we're more comfortable with certain things based off Keepa. But for those of you that are really worried about this issue and aren't comfortable with the risk, avoid those huge brand names because if they aren't policing their brand now, they could in the next year or two, you know, as as they you know put together a team to figure out how to um, help this help their imaging on Amazon. All right, the last thing is only buy from legitimate sources that have well documented receipts. I put a list of some examples, and they might be legitimate uh, sources, but they don't have well documented receipts, and some of them aren't legitimate sources. So don't buy. In my opinion, if you're trying to avoid IP issues and you don't want to risk it, you don't want to risk a suspension and you're trying to be extra cautious. People make tons of money doing this, by the way, but I'm answering this specific concern. Okay. If you're trying to avoid IP issues and sourcing, don't buy from Marshalls, Ross, TJ Maxx, Burlington, liquidation center. So let's talk about the first four. So Marshalls, Ross, TJ Maxx, and Burlington. Those are just four examples of stores that I know of that their receipts are awful. They don't say uh, anything specific about the product you're buying. They give no information. So if you ever did get an IP alert, there's really no defending it because the receipt's going to have zero information for you to be able to back up your claim that it was a legitimate product. The other thing is typically those... I'm not sure if Burlington, but I'm pretty sure Marshalls, Ross, TJ Maxx, they'll buy liquidation lots or they'll buy lots of things that may or may not make them an authorized distributor for those things. So we usually avoid those products or those places. The next thing is liquidation centers. So if there's a big discount outlet, uh, that kind of stuff we avoid because they could be getting pallets of stuff that's great and also some things mixed in there 
that are fake. And it's not worth risking that. If you're buying from a big discount center, they're not going to be a necessarily an approved distributor of that product. So you run the risk of, of a claim if something is incorrect. The next one is garage sales and goodwill. It's kind of obvious. They're secondhand usually, even if they look brand new or they're in their complete packaging, there's no receipts to back it up and there's no authorized distributor either. So we avoid those places. So that's how we try to avoid IP issues from sourcing as best we can. And again, don't be worried about this a ton. You know, If you send something in and you get a performance alert and you've bought it from an authorized distributor, and I'm talking regional stores, local stores that are legitimate stores, not like reseller stores, but local brand stores, national stores, those are authorized distributors. So you can usually use the performance templates in the file section to help protect your account moving forward and help to get that removed, hopefully. And if not, it at least shows that you're caring about your account and you know, you've know uh, tried to get it removed and proven that it's from an authorized distributor with a receipt that has a description of the product. So, okay. Again, put questions in the Facebook comment section. I'm not seeing any. So I guess that's good, but uh, start putting them in there so that I can go right into them after I'm done with these. So... Cons or hurdles to this business and how to overcome them? This was a a good question um, because I've never addressed it specifically. It's very broad. So I just went with some of the things that I could think of off the top of my head. I'm sure there's more uh, that people could throw out uh, and say that this is a con or a hurdle to the business. But these are the main ones that I could think of. So IP and performance issues, which we just addressed, follow those prior tips. If you get any performance uh, notifications, Use the performance templates in the group if issues arise. They address trademarks, intellectual property, which I guess is trademarks, um, used, sold as new, expired dates. And I believe I've got one more in there and I can't think of it. Oh, suspected intellectual property violations. We've got pretty much every performance notification covered in that document. And if there's ever one that comes up, I would add it to it if I had to. So or if something else new came or I forgot one. The next one would be competition and price tanking. So a lot of people say that this is a con and a hurdle. And so yes, this is kind of a con that your price can drop and that there's competition. But that's the case with literally any business out there. There's competition. I'm looking at 10 restaurants out there right now. So there's a ton of different things in terms of competition that you're going to have to deal with in any business. On eBay, you've got people that list the exact same listing as you. Uh, on walmart.com, you've got people that are listing the exact same listing as you and deal with price tanking. All of the platforms have the same issue in different ways. The good thing with Amazon is you've got a bunch of software and resources like Keepa that can help you avoid these issues with competition, price tanking, buying bad products. So you want to test small, check Keepa first for as long as possible with the history. So if you can go, I would for sure do a year if that's available. If you can, I would look at all just to kind of get a general glimpse. But the year is what I care about the most just because it's long enough that I can get a good guideline and a good guess, but not too long that it's just going to be inaccurate five years later. So Check Keepa first for as long as you can on the history uh, so that you just know the trends. You know, it's uh, Q4 coming up. So let's say you're looking at a Keepa chart and last Q4, the product dropped uh, price in half or the product went up by two times the price. You know, you can use that information and that data to make the best decision, avoid competition increases and price tanking. Also for Q4, right? A lot of Q4 products are coming out, whether it's Thanksgiving or Christmas or Halloween stuff. 
And so if you look at a product and you're like, oh, sweet, there's four sellers on it. It's been four sellers for the last nine months. I'm going to get this. Well, what happened the three months before that, which was Q4 2019? Q4 2019, there were 40 sellers on it and the price tanked by a ton. So you want to look at these products with Keepa to avoid this issue. Again, check that unit section. It's going to help a ton. Additionally, use a repricer if you've got the money. If you're over 100 SKUs and you're making this a serious business, use a repricer so that you don't check your prices a week later and notice the price drop by five bucks. You want something that is constantly repricing so that you can keep up with the competition, you can keep up with the pricing trends, and that you can make sure that there's a stop loss, right? So you put your minimum in that repricer, so you're not going to lose a ton right away. It gives you a time uh, to look at all of those prices that went to your minimum and how can you, like, what should you do with those individual products? But you still want to keep up with the pricing trends while it's in your, between your minimum and maximum. So uh, use a repricer. I've got a whole webinar on repricers, I suggest, uh, as well as our specific settings that we use in our repricer uh, with a document. It's actually bit.ly forward slash repricer settings if you want to see the document. But the whole webinar where I talk about the theory behind it and why we do that, as well as what uh, repricers I recommend is in the unit section. So go check that out as well. The next one, and I've heard this more and more, uh, obviously, is Amazon's changed things which is the cash flow piece. And that's the most difficult piece um, because everybody's situation is different. So here are my two tips to make sure that if you're low on cash flow, what you can do. So if you're starting with less money, you want to focus on higher ROI. So I'm talking 70% return on investment or higher. So if you're putting out 10 bucks on a product, you want to make seven to test. And profit, you want to focus on higher profit items. Maybe have a minimum profit of four bucks or five bucks because you know, obviously if you're going down to a minimum of $2 and the price drops uh, $1.50 and now you're not making that much money, that's, uh, that can be problematic. So focus on higher ROI and higher profit items so that you can grow your money quicker. The point of this is obviously the more you can make, even if it takes you longer to find these products, the more your cash reserves can build so that then you can kind of snowball uh, the rest of that moving forward. You can continue to invest that money. For instance, let's say that you average 100% ROI, which in Brittany and my business, we still average 70%, you know, spending $40,000 a month. So we're still averaging a high ROI. So if you average 100% as a new seller and you're putting out 500 bucks, well, by the end of, because of the way Amazon is, it's going to take probably two months after you buy something and sell it uh, till you get that money back because by the time you prep it, send it in, it sells, Amazon gives you a two week waiting period and then you get your money. You're still over a two to three month period turning 500 bucks into a thousand. And then you do that again, wait another two to three months. And so you're turning a thousand into two and then you two to four and then four to eight. And if it really is three months for every turn, then you turn 500 bucks into eight grand by the end of the year. And that's if you know, that's all that you have. You put it out there and you wait and then you don't buy anything else in the meantime. So that's like the scenario that you can expect if you're hitting the higher ROI and higher profit items. The next thing you want to look at is be patient. So don't just freak out and lead to the price sinking. Be patient and know Keepa uh, so that you buy right. I don't want you to go out there and just buy a bunch of stuff and be like, cool, this is going to make money. If you aren't looking at Keepa and you aren't seeing that the product is actually selling, there's no indicators 
from all of the training that we've put in the group, then don't buy that product. Just because it's a 500% ROI, you know, you're going to turn 10 bucks into 50. Well, it's probably not going to sell um, if Keepa doesn't show that it's selling. So just make sure that you know Keepa so that your cash flow can double and triple, quadruple, even if it's a little slower. You want to make sure you're buying right if you're starting with less. The other piece with the cash flow is, like I said, because Amazon for new sellers, you know, it takes you a while to buy the inventory you want. And then by the time you buy it, you have to figure out how to prep the inventory and then you send it to Amazon and it takes a couple of weeks to check in. And then by the time it checks in, you've got to sell it. And then by the time it sells, then it takes a couple of weeks to get your money. That's the other downside is that it can take two to three months. So just make sure whatever money you're investing into doing this, you're okay if you don't get that back for three months. And personally, I like it better if you say, this is my $500, $200, $1,000, whatever investment. And if it's all gone, then you know I'm, I'm okay risking that money. I know that's difficult to do at first whenever you don't understand the platform, which is why Keepa is so important. Um, so don't ignore that. But if you're okay with that, then you aren't going to freak out when your money takes three months to turn um, because you know by the time you buy it, pack it, send it in, etc. It should take 30 days or less if you're buying right on Keepa for your products to sell. So it's actually a very quick turn rate. It just takes a while for new sellers to get used to the process of finding products and prepping them and sending them in and then waiting, uh, especially because of COVID and there's a lot of delays with the check-in times. I just be patient. Be okay with just mentally in your mind, say this money I'm putting towards Amazon and I'm okay waiting as long as possible for me to uh, make sure these things are are selling. Now, don't misconstrue that to mean like my product's not sold once in 30 days. So I'm just going to wait a year and then get charged a bunch of fees. I mean, (laughs) be okay with it taking a while for you to get your money back just because of Amazon's system. If a product hasn't sold in 30 days, Start to look at the Keepa again, look at the pricing, look at the competition and say, okay, um, I might need to lower my price to get this thing moving so I can get the cash flow back because it's better for you to make you know, six inventory turns where you're selling a product at 30% ROI than to make one in a year at 100% ROI just because of the way the money works. And I, if you're in Legends, Travis uh, Hettenbach did a, a presentation that was great on that specific topic. Um, and it's just math at that point. So don't don't misconstrue the being patient to uh, just allowing your inventory to sit forever. I just mean be patient in terms of the money uh, that you need back. Be okay investing a little piece uh, or a big piece of your money, whatever you know that ends up being for you, into this business and waiting for things to start to work. Because if you know Keepa, you go through the trainings, you do everything in that manner, you will find winning products. And I've talked about it before, 80% of the time, you're going to be right. You're going to make money 80% of the time. 10% of the time, you'll probably break even. And the other 10% of the time, you're going to lose money at this. But if you're right 80% of the time, even if you're right 50% of the time, if people were right 50% of the time in the stock market that they were going to make money, like 50%, everybody would do it. Like Everybody would try to figure this thing out. But because it's Amazon, people freak out. So you know, typically it's 80, 10, 10, but just be patient, no keep up and buy things properly. Just be okay holding out for a little bit. 
The next thing is, uh, you know, I've heard this before. It can be embarrassing, especially for newer sellers doing retail arbitrage because you're standing in the store for a few hours. You know, people are walking by, especially with COVID. It's a little bit, uh, it adds an extra layer of, uh, you know, uh, I guess, touchiness to it, right? If you're standing in one place for a long time looking at products, uh, it can be a little bit more difficult, but you can do a couple of things. So a bunch of people can't get over this feeling, but what I always did to get over it was I would just put on headphones and I would just get used to ignoring people. And I would turn my headphones up loud enough so if anybody talked to me, I wouldn't hear them. <laughs> so, um, because I, I'm not being rude. You know, my, oh, my headphones are there. So they, they can clearly see my headphones. And now they probably won't even touch you because it's COVID. So they, I don't even know if they're allowed to touch you or get within six feet of you. So don't worry too much about that. Get used to ignoring the crowd. The other thing you can do is go in and take pictures of all the aisles and do the work from home. So you don't have to worry about that as much. Now, the next thing is Amazon loses inventory or owes me money, right? You send in 50 products. They say they got 40 products and that's a pain or something gets damaged and they owe you money and you're trying to figure out where that is or they lost a box. So in the proven Amazon course, if you have that, there are resources for filing claims to get these issues resolved. So there's a reimbursements guide in the tools and services section. I think it's older. I'm not sure how applicable it is anymore. I use a service. Um, so that's why I put find a service to help with this because that's something that can be helpful to where it can take it off your plate hours and hours a month off of your plate of trying to figure out where Amazon owes you money and, and the inventory that's been lost. But there are reports to help you with that. Amazon has streamlined this to be better than they used to be, but it's still not perfect. So make sure that you're looking in those, those resources. I'm sure there's YouTube videos and... Um, websites that'll tell you how to do it as well. But if you have PAC, there is a reimbursements guide if you go to the tools and services section in the Proven Amazon course. Now, I put any other con that you can think of. So if you were to give me any other con, and you can put them in the the comments section. And I looked over here because that's where I have Facebook on my other screen. Uh, You can put them in the comments section. But typically, have the right mindset is going to be the first thing. You need to have the right mindset, which we talked about at the beginning of this webinar, that Amazon is still the best opportunity. The next thing, no others are hugely successful with this platform and you can be too. That's proven by the fact that there's 600, over 600 success stories in my silent team. There's over 200 that have come from this replens group. We're at 198 that I've actually been able to tag, I think, 196 in our group. But I know that there were more for the six or seven months before I started actually tagging these things. (laughs) So there's hundreds and thousands of success stories, people that don't even come out and say anything about how they've done so well. And you know, we get private messages or or Jim's team gets private messages, my silent team does. So just know that others are successful with this. You can be too. It takes patience and the right mindset. The next thing is this is literally, in my opinion, and I probably said this already, the greatest business opportunity ever created in the history of earth that anyone can do. And I say that specifically for a reason. In my opinion, greatest business opportunity ever. There's no restrictions. There's nothing that holds people back. If you have $0, you can do a garage sale, build up 100 bucks, and then start working for that. Or you can find things on Craigslist that are free. You go sell them, you know, fix them up a little bit, sell them on Craigslist, make a few hundred bucks, and then go start this Amazon business. And anyone can do it. There's no limitations. There's no restrictions. It's not like hundreds of years ago or whatever, a hundred years ago when you needed to know about the railroad or you needed to know about specific, like how to build a car, right? I mean, there's, <laughs> this is, anybody can do this. And there's tons of examples of that. 
in every major country. The two most recent success stories in the replens group are from two different countries outside of the United States. So you can literally do this anywhere. Best business opportunity ever. Keep that in mind whenever you're thinking about you're letting the con ruminate in your head. You're letting it kind of just take over your thought process when this is the greatest opportunity for anybody to make money ever, in my opinion. And I I don't know what would get me to change that at this point. But And I hope that there's things that are better that are coming. But right now, this is the best thing out there. So, sorry, I'm on a soapbox. Cons and hurdles to this business grind my gears because it's such a great opportunity. So whenever I've got to do this presentation, I'm talking more than I thought I would um, and longer. But uh, I hope you guys can see that I'm passionate about this for a reason because there's no, no excuses in this. There's so many different people that I know that have had way more issues than uh, I can count that have made a huge, hugely successful businesses out of this. So there's no excuse um, for cons or hurdles on this right now. Now, daily actions for good account health and IPI score. So I do four things every day still. I've never outsourced this. It's still my task. I disperse my money. Now, this is only applicable to certain sellers. Unfortunately, there was a period of time, I think it was from like 2015 to 2018 or something like that, where maybe 2016 to 2019, where Amazon said, you've got to wait two weeks until we're going to even disperse your money. The people before 2015 or 2016 that had an account open, they can disperse it every 24 hours. And then the people after 2018 or in 2019, whatever that cutoff was, can also disperse it every 24 hours. But that people group, that seller group in the middle can't. Now you can try, uh, and this is how you try. You click total balance in your seller central. You click request payment for that money. If it's been less than 24 hours since you got a disbursement, so if you've been waiting every two weeks and one just posted like 12 hours ago, you're not going to be able to do this. But if it's been less than 24 hours since you got a disbursement or your account doesn't allow it, so if you haven't gotten one for a week and they're saying, sorry, this account's not eligible for on-demand disbursement, then that's when you're going to have to wait to pass the time limitation or for Amazon to disperse it at the two-week point. If you can, if it says transfer and you go through and you click request transfer, then perfect. Now you can wait another 24-ish hours. I actually think it's about 25 because I've waited to like 24 minutes or 24 hours and 15 minutes before and it said that it did it 24 hours ago. So anyway, that's beside the point. If you can do it, great. If not, unfortunately, I'm sorry. You can try to see if you can get eligible for that. You can open a case. They might not allow it, but that's the first thing I do uh, every day. Second thing I do is I check our account health. So performance, uh, if you go to the performance tab and then click account health, I look for any new issues that may have popped up. You know, there's a whole bunch of tallies there of, you know, zeros, hopefully, um, that you're looking at. If it's ones or twos, then you can address those issues as they come up. And that's where you want to respond to those issues as necessary and as soon as possible. Within 24 to 48 hours, they usually say 48 if it's a major issue. But uh, I try to do it every day so that I don't miss anything. Then I'll check seller feedback. So performance dash, then you click feedback. Try to get all your three-star reviews or less removed using the feedback manager. You can't open a separate case and try to get this done. You've got to keep it within that feedback section. So you would click for anything three stars or less, remove review, click that yes, it meets those thresholds or those different uh, things that it's asking you about. And it'll tell you if it was automatically removed or not. If it's not automatically removed, then you can click 
to see the case and you can open, reopen that case to try one time, I believe, and see if somebody will actually remove it for you. The way that I do that, and this isn't in here, this is so and people watching, this is a bonus. The way that I do that is I will take a screenshot of the review. And as long as it is legitimately something that should be removed, I will attach that screenshot to the case. And after I reopened it, and I'll say, you know, this product was fulfilled by Amazon. They're talking about, you know, the product being open when they got it, like spilling open. This is clearly a fulfilled by Amazon issue. Please strike through or remove the review. And I attach the screenshot of that feedback because it kind of triggers a person to look at it instead of a bot getting that that email. So that's what I do. It's worked for us for a while, knock on wood. Um, but you know, if that ends up stop, stopping working, then you know I'll hopefully find something else. But it's worked for us quite a bit lately. So actually for months at this point. So then the next thing I'll check after the feedback, and a lot of these things, after I disperse my money, there's rarely things with account health I have to worry about. There's rarely things with seller feedback. So it's very quick. It takes me five minutes or less to go through all of this. I'll check my performance notifications to see if there were any, because sometimes our warehouse will click the notification and I'll miss it, or you know we won't get an email, something like that. So I'll click performance and then performance notifications and see if anything new has popped up in the last day. So those are the four things that I look at. After that, daily actions for good account health. Um, you should respond to any cases that you have open that Amazon requires your response. Check out your case log if you need to, uh, and then respond to any customer messages that come up. You just want to show Amazon that you're on top of any performance issues and that you're on top of any customer issues and any cases that come up. Those are the things I care about. So yeah. Now, IPI score. To find your IPI score, go to inventory and then inventory planning. There's also a little widget up at the top on your main screen that says what your IPI score is. So we always take a look at that. So focus on products or stocking amounts that will sell within 30-day periods, 60 days max. So this is how you can have a good IPI score. You're looking for products that sell pretty quickly because Amazon cares about inventory turnover and not having stuff sitting in the warehouse. That's the point of the IPI score is to reduce bad products in their warehouses. So you want to sell through those products as quickly as possible. Try to buy and send products in with a 30-day sales in mind. And max, if you're like really sure about this product and you know it's like a wholesale product, you've been selling it for a long time, max do 60 days. Don't do that on a new product. So test small and build from there so you don't overbuy products. The next thing with your IPI score to to help it, um, is look at stranded inventory and try to fix any issues. So it'll say unit stranded, ASIN stranded, a main widget, I believe on the front page, but it's also in that inventory planning section. Anything that says inventory error, so there's reasons for the stranded inventory. Anything that says inventory error, I open a case for all of those ASINs in one case and ask Amazon to fix or investigate it because it's it, there's nothing I can do about it. Some of them, most of the time, uh, the majority of them get fixed. Some of them will still stick around as like a high pricing error or something like that. The next thing for IPI score, try to fix any pricing errors because that strains your inventory. So search in the Facebook group. I have four steps that we try. I just look up price alerts, pricing errors. I've posted it probably 20 or 30 different times under comments. So I would have posted it here, but it's, it's kind of a long paragraph and, and it's easier for you to find that on a post. So 
The next thing, uh, hide your SKUs to be restocked. So there's going to be a restock inventory section under that inventory planning section. And uh, it'll have 20 or 30 SKUs or hundreds of SKUs or five that say restock today or restock this amount. I just select all and then hide them, um, which does help a little bit. It's not a ton, but it helps a, a little. And then the last thing I do for IPI score to try to keep it good is uh, manage excess inventory. Um, by lowering your price or recalling it if it's affecting your score poorly. So if you click into the IPI score, it'll say, hey, you've got really poor excess inventory or good or great. And if it's poor or fair, then you can um, take a look at all of the excess inventory, see why it's not selling. If it's a pricing issue or a competition issue, just click into those and make your determination from there based off of the data. And so, yeah, it's just Amazon telling you like, hey, this is going to be here for 180 days or a year plus because you bought something that wasn't good. And so if you can lower your price and sell out of it, or if you look at Keepa and it's, it's telling you essentially from the data that wait a couple more months because November, this thing sells like crazy every year, you know, you can make your decisions one by one on that excess inventory. Our IPI score as of today was 611. So, you know, just because we're arbitrage and resellers doesn't mean you can't have a great IPI score. I believe it's supposed to be over 400, I think. So if that's wrong, please correct me in the comments. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be over 400. So yeah, you just want to keep it over that amount. I think we'll end this episode right there. I hope you enjoyed that. The rest of the content from Jimmy's presentation was pretty exclusive to just the group in our Replens Facebook group. But that's a peek inside the kind of content that we provide in our private group. And if you're ready to get started on this business model, there's no better time than now. ProvenAmazonCourse.com is where you can go. And the Replens module is just one of numerous modules included in that comprehensive course. If you want just the Replens module, you can go to ProvenAmazonCourse.com slash Replens. And for just a few dollars right now, we've had it on sale during the whole COVID craziness. We've had all, all of our stuff on sale big time because we want to help out as many people as we can. Speaking of that, we just blew past 600 posted testimonials in our Facebook group. We don't solicit these testimonials. People just voluntarily post pictures of their results and their success stories. It's very moving. You'll love scrolling through that. It's one of the coolest parts of our Facebook group, in my opinion. That's free, actually. You can find a link to that at silentgym.com, a link to our Facebook group. Jump in there, look for the success stories topic tag, and scroll through. It's pretty incredible. But on that note, I think we're going to wrap up right here. All the resources that Jimmy mentioned today, everything that we talked about, remember, you can go to silentgym.com slash podcast. Go to this episode number. You'll see all the links right there with the show notes. Or if you're watching on YouTube, we'll stick those links there below the video for you as well. So, hey, God bless you, Business Building Warrior. It's been great hanging out with you a little bit today. Thanks for listening to this video. Thanks for watching. And if you wouldn't mind, please leave us some feedback, thumbs up, or leave us a testimonial on iTunes if that's where you're listening or whatever platform you choose to, to listen to our content. We will have another episode again for you very soon. Talk to you then. Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit silentgym.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.